Welcome everybody to this week's edition of MurderMaps.com, the podcast in conversation with The Chief. The Chief, as you will all know very well by now, and for our new listeners who don't, he is Chief Filenko of Round Lake Park, Lake County, Illinois, from our dearest friends across the pond, otherwise known as the Atlantic, fairly big pond. Chief, how are you doing? Doing great today. How are you, Francis? Good. Always better for speaking to you, I can tell you that. Um, obviously, in the past uh, couple of months, we've been going over a number of different cases, very wide-ranging in terms of the investigation, the even the, the types, you know, from things, in, uh, sorry, incidents including arson, bombs, uh, straight up killing people with guns and whatnot, right up to the, the absurd where uh, we discussed the Heineken case, I'll put in inverted commas there, um, where in actual fact it was his own guy he brought with him to the crime scene that put two in his back and ended up being the, the killer of, of that particular person. Um, sorry, was it? No, I may have got that wrong. Was it Heineken that ended up dead? No, it was... No, it was uh, the other guy. It was the other guy. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Heineken was arguing with the uh, that's, guy that's who the ultimately went... Latrell Mackins winds up... That's dying. it. Mackins was stood up. And you originally... Well, the investigation looked like it was going to be Mackins that had shot the other guy, but it wasn't. It was... Uh, no, sorry, the other way around. Heineken would have shot Mackins, but it was the other way around. And it was the bodyguard. Right. And we had right. the fucking uncle running down the street, just popping off bullet, bullets into the air because he didn't want to look like a pussy. Um, and, and that's exactly what I meant by the extremely absurd. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, right. And it's hard to keep track of this. And, uh, you know, and just something that uh, we caution all of our detectives about when they're testifying, you know, make mm. sure you completely have a, a good handle on mm. the investigation and you understand exactly what happened because a good, good defense attorney is going to tear your oh. ass into pieces up there. Yeah, yeah. They'll uh, rip you and, apart. They'll spin you and mm. confuse the shit out of you and make you look like a total jackass and your credibility goes right down the shitter. I can honestly see how difficult that would actually be when you're on the stand as well. You know, well, I'm not even under pressure when I'm talking to you right now. And yet there's details that I'll get mixed up. There's details I'll forget. There's details that I'm even thinking like, you know, we're talking about this particular case here and I'm bringing up a detail from something completely unrelated. So imagine, you know, when you're under pressure, you've got the judge right there, you've got the jury or however the setup is, it must be a real tough gig. It is. Uh, and that's where, you know, preparation, uh, reading your reports, mm. uh, working with prosecutors um, as to, you know, what your portion of the testimony is going to be. Uh, and just making sure that, you know, you're calm under fire. Yeah. Uh, the the theory of yes, no, I don't recall, uh, doesn't really fare well with a jury. Yeah, gotta, yeah. yeah. You can imagine the, your person, not your ethical credibility goes down, but your your testimony credibility goes yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Because they're wondering, you know, who is this dumbass? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got to be on point, right? You do. You, you don't want to. You don't want to embellish. You don't want to mm. get too crazy with your testimony. But then, on the other hand, you don't. You need to be um, detailed in your testimony and convince the jury that yeah, you know what you're talking about. Yeah, this absolutely. is what happened. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's get to what happened in the case that you have picked out for us this week. Um, I believe it's gang related. I'm sure you'll fill us in on the blanks there. Yes, and I thought it was appropriate. And again, uh, most of you who've been listening to us on a regular basis know that, you know, unfortunately, my community uh, had a murder 
a couple of weeks ago, uh, where a young man in his 20s was shot and killed. Mm. Uh, there were actually three other gunshot victims. It was very chaotic. Um, at this point, one of the theories, and I think it's more than a theory, is this is gang-related. Uh, the victim, uh, I just want to clarify this, uh, we don't believe it anyway was connected to uh, a gang. Uh, again, he may have just been, uh, or the, the probability percentage-wise, and again, I don't like to commit to anything in an open case, mm, yeah. is that he is not connected in any way to uh, a gang. And he was yeah. not the in intended target. The way he was living his life, he, he seemed like a, an upstanding kind of guy, right? Right. And we've, uh, uh, we're taking over the case effectively this, this week. Uh, we've asked for it back from the task force. I think they've uh, pretty much exhausted what they can do. And now my team will start working on it uh, and putting 100% of their efforts into it. We've been in direct contact with uh, the victim's family. Uh, I think it's really key, and I've always said this mm. in any case, I don't care how minor it is, I don't care if it's a, a theft of coins from your car, mm. uh, you need to periodically update the victim, or Definitely. you're going to get this, the police don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Once they came out and they took the report, or I came in uh, and made the report at the police station, I never fucking heard back from them. Yeah, It's yeah. huge. And the media will take that and run a fucking mile with it as well. They will, and you know, it just... Uh, it desensitizes our ability to have a good relationship with the mm. community because you've got mm. to develop that trust. Mm. And the way you develop a trust is to communicate. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's not an easy, uh, as easy as it sounds to communicate because victims aren't always going to be happy with the outcome. Yeah. Uh, they certainly don't like to hear at times, well, there's really not much we can do with what we have. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people who do understand uh, policing, are going to be very understanding of, of that type of an outcome. But those who um, aren't quite supportive of the police mm. may have a completely different perspective and could actually come back at you and say, you know what, I didn't think this was going to go anywhere because the cops never do anything anyway. I suppose the key there, though, is the the line of communication, right? Because if you are fully right. communicating with the, the families of the, of the victims and you're telling them as much as you possibly can, then when it actually comes to delivering the bad news of, do you, know, do you know what, there's actually not a great deal we can go on here, at least they know you're being honest with them, you're being transparent, and, and they know that there's not a lot because you're communicating with them. So that must make it a you, bit easier. It, it does. And, it, and in cases like this, what we'll do is, uh, you know, the detective who's going to be the lead on this now, uh, again, he's, I think, gotten a, a good rapport with the victim's mother who's representing the family mm. and he'll, he'll continue communicating with her by phone. But at some point in the next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is either we're going to drive up to their home or a neutral site up in their area, or we'll invite them down to our police station. Mm. And I think it's better for uh, the detectives involved and including myself to sit down with them and go over where we're at, what's been done so far, where we're, you know, what direction we're heading in, how they yeah. can help us. And now they see faces behind the investigation, not just a bunch of, well, there's a, there's a hundred detectives out there working your case. Okay, mm. what, what, what do I care? I, I care about getting some justice for my son, for my daughter. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and one of the things that I used to do when I was a commander of the task force 
the first assignment you would have as a new oncoming detective on the first case that you were involved in, you would be assigned to victimology, which is that mm -hmm. we talked about this, the biographical yeah. research of the victim. Yeah, yeah. That equals into you were also now the family liaison. So okay. your responsibility is not only to uh, get the information on the victim, but to keep the family in the loop. And the reason behind that is we need to get, especially the younger detectives, to understand that, look, um, this is just not going down to numbers and dehumanize, mm. dehumanizing the entire investigation. Mm. Um, I remember uh, my assignment, you know, and I've, I've been liaison to a couple of families in a couple of major cases, um, how it wasn't difficult. It's just you really, really almost assimilate yourself into the family's uh, feelings. Yeah. You know, because they're constantly expressing, it, you know, their grief and... Highly emotional. Uh, right. And, and then you start almost like it's that, uh, I forgot what it's called, the effect when you're a, you're a hostage, the Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome, yeah, yeah. So you actually become a part, kind of, I guess... Uh, I suppose you become fam. invested, right? Yes, More invested. exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what we want them to do, too, so that when they're mm. cut loose from that assignment and they're on another case, they understand the importance of, you know, it's just not the victim you're focusing on. Mm. There are a hundred other victims mm. that, this case, that this incident caused. The ripples go far and wide. I think that's the right. best way to do it because the Academy, for all intents and purposes, gives them the brain to become a detective, but this kind of task, when they you know, are a rookie or whatever, that gives them the heart as well, right? You know, right. they need both exactly. of them to work that case. Yeah, Exactly. It's just like now police officers are being to see the effects of uh, street drugs, primarily heroin, opioids, yeah. and uh, us having the ability to uh, carry the antidote, naloxone, Narcan, you know, whatever mm. product you're carrying, and understanding, hey, this wasn't just a drug bust. Look what this shit does. Yeah. Look what look what it does. Mm. I mean, and, and you're bringing these people back to life. I mean, you're, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, you're not dehumanizing. Uh, you know, we can all say, look, uh, there's an epidemic in this country of deaths to overdoses, and you know, I kind of shake my head at that. That fucking epidemic has been around for years. It's just now mm -hmm. it's become more noticeable because there's a lot of good people out there that are bringing it to, or have brought it to the forefront. Mm. Uh, and then of course, you know, and again, I'm not a really big fan of any <laughs> political uh, groups or projects uh, and the politicians latch onto it and carry it on their shoulders as if they're, um, you know, they're responsible for this entire, you know, uh, battle against opioids, mm. you know, happening, whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah, for as long you as know, they need like, to. You know what? As long as we're fucking locking the right people up and, and saving people on the street, that's all I give a shit about. Not your yeah, fucking yeah. votes. Amen to that. Amen yeah. to that. So this case is a, uh, a case that occurred in the uh, spring of 2013. It was local, uh, neighboring community of Round Lake Beach. And uh, I remember getting called out on this again. Uh, spring around here, like I told you, seasonally, you, you can't differentiate. Right mm -hmm. now, it actually does feel like fall the last couple of days. It's been beautiful. Okay. This night in particular was very cold, very windy. It was in uh, March, which is early, allegedly early spring. But, I mean, mm -hmm. there, we've had snowstorms in April. But mm -hmm. I remember it, it was cold. 
uh, it was later into the night when this occurred when we got out there. So uh, what we were, we were requested to come to was a uh, shooting that had taken place in a parking lot. And I don't know what you call them in Great Britain, but here we call them, uh, they have like 7-Eleven is a common store, but they're oh, just yeah, 20, we, yeah. 24 hour little markets. It's like a convenience know. store kind of thing. A convenience store, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, a lot of them now are becoming privately owned. Uh, this one was privately owned, so it wasn't a brand name convenience store, so it was local. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually went back a couple of days later and took some photographs of the outside of this place because it was right down the street and our evidence technicians needed some daytime shots. Mm. And immediately I just kind of shook my head because the the front of the store was painted uh, black and yellowish gold. And those are the colors of Latin Kings. Oh, right. Okay. (laughs) So I sent them the photos and I said, check out the the paint job on this place. And Mm. I, I I just nicknamed it Latin King Lookers. (laughs) Because <laughs> uh, to me, that was a sure sign of territorial. Uh, oh, was mark. that? Do you think that actually was a marker of the the kings? Then, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm, I think we've so. done a couple of the cases related to the Latin kings, yeah. and well, this one's going to be this one's going to be in, uh, related to the Latin kings as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, uh, very large presence in the Chicago land area, ground yeah, zero. Mm. This is where they started. Yeah, New York, New York has got a big thing, and they did, I know they've done some specials on a couple of high-end players there, but Chicago is ground zero. The neighborhood I grew up in is center point for the Latin oh, King right. Nation. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, just about everybody I knew, uh, either they or their older brother or somebody was involved with the Latin Kings somehow. Right, right. Yeah. So, what happens here is... Uh, this store is busy. Uh, they sell liquor. I'm not sure quite what their liquor license goes till. Probably, I would assume, maybe two in the morning, like a bar. Could be a little earlier. Nothing past that usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple of liquor establishments throughout the county that serve up until 4 a.m. You know who? You know those because usually, if there's a murder connected to a liquor establishment after three or four a.m., it's going to lead back to that place. Uh, yeah. So uh, this place is fairly busy, and it has regular, you know, regular customers. Uh, a lot of foot traffic because there's apartment buildings uh, around it. Mm. Give you a description. It's very typical. Uh, not very large in size, but large enough to have, uh, you know, all sorts of varieties of food items. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't have, per se, a deli or anything like that, but mainly liquor, pop, snacks, minor drug items. Uh, usually, you know, cigarettes, things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. One person working behind a register. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a place like this, generally what they have is a ton of cameras inside and outside. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and fortunately, they did. So uh, our victim, um, this young man, comes into the liquor store and, or to this uh, convenience store. I'm not sure exactly what he was purchasing. I, I don't believe it was liquor because I think he was, he was fairly young. Uh, maybe eight, 18 or 19. I'm not quite certain about his age. Again, this is, time is catching up on me uh, with these cases. Uh, actually, I'm looking and he's 18 years old. Okay. Um, and the name of the establishment is <laughs> called uh, One Stop uh, Food and Liquor. Mm-hmm. So he enters the store um, and there are a number of individuals in the store. Shortly thereafter, you see three other gentlemen and enter the store. 
Uh, and this is a description or preliminary thing uh, provided to us by the, uh, some of the, we had, in this case, lucky or not, we had eyewitnesses on All top right. of the video. Yeah. So he's in there, he gets in line. Uh, you notice uh, when we watch the video, there's three guys that come in. And of course, it's, it's not audio, it's video. There's some words exchanged between our, our victim uh, and one of the three uh, guys who came in the store. You're not really right. sure what it is. But you could see him standing in line, and uh, the three yahoos are a little a little ways in back of him, uh, but not out of earshot. And he keeps looking back uh, at them. Okay. At some point, he, he just does what he does, and you see him go towards the front door, and immediately, as he's going towards the front door, all these three guys start following him into this parking lot. Parking lot isn't that big. It adjoins a major uh, a roadway, a really busy one. And there's apartment buildings across the street. And there's apartment buildings to the uh, south. I don't think there might have been some apartments to the north as well, but not really big ones. Probably okay. townhome, townhomes that were converted to apartments. Parking lot is fairly lit. You know, it's not overly well lit, but mm. enough for... Uh, for video capture yeah so you see our our victim uh going into the lot uh three these three guys come out one of the guys actually stays a little back on the sidewalk area the other two are following our uh, eventual victim uh one like like in in a line you have one you have two and he's now backing up towards his car and then you, you see on the video uh, a, a, a hand raised and a number of shots go out. Right, okay. Then you see all three of these guys just bolt to the mm. north. They yeah, just start yeah. running, and they're gone. Um, this is really a heartbreaking video uh, to watch in court, and I'm sure the family was present when they showed it, but you actually mm. see our victim die on the video. Wow, that must be how he uh, mm. he comes back from, you know, he, he actually staggers from his car that's parked in the lot back towards the store. And here in the States, we sell propane tanks for like yeah. barbecues. Yeah. And these and he's, and he's convenience stores sell them. Um, you know, you can exchange a propane tank. So there's a cage of propane tanks there and there's a video camera right above him. Mm. And you see him just kind of slowly start leaning over and then he collapses and we believe that's when he dies and there are people out of, coming out of the store you know somebody of course i think the um cashier actually had a either a cell phone or a portable phone from the store you could see him dialing 911 mm, yeah. uh, and then you've got some people that really they don't know what to do you know yeah. I, I, I they're leaning over him they're you know it, you're trying to at least comfort him. Yeah. Um, it's not that they don't want to do anything. I just firmly believe what a lot do of people do? just people don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. Like when when someone's like riddled with bullets or whatever, there's not a, it's not a simple case of CPR, is it? Right. You know? So uh, police arrive, paramedics arrive. Uh, believe he's taken to the hospital and pronounced dead. Uh, we're called out. Uh, because, you know, there's no offenders in custody. We've got uh, a shooting victim. 
and then we start doing, you know, our stuff. Yeah. So a couple of a couple of interesting things. Uh, one, rarely do you get eyewitnesses. We had them here. Two, mm. rarely do you get good video like this. We had that. Mm. Uh, and three, rarely do you get somebody who actually knows one of the three guys. Mm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I believe it was the uh, the shopkeeper because the guy was a regular. Okay. Um, so that's how it all kind of starts. Now, another interesting little piece of uh, social media trivia. While we're there, um, I know some of the detectives uh, immediately back then, and now the gangs have gotten smarter. Uh, they're not utilizing Facebook as much as they do Snapchat because Snapchat mm. disappears. You know? Yeah, yeah. But they were, they were utilizing Facebook, so... It's almost like when you hear on the news where, uh, you know, the U.S. intelligence service has picked up chatter that there yeah. might be, yeah, uh, uh, an incident occurring in, mm. you know, London or whatever. So yeah. they start looking for chatter and they start picking up chatter. In fact, one of the guys, uh, the detectives, and I believe he might have been from the host agency, pulls up a live Facebook live video feed of us. Oh, at yeah. the scene. At the scene. Fucking hell. And it's actually originating. We tracked it immediately to an apartment directly across the street. So they're broadcasting or filming us live while we're on the scene investigating. Jeez. How have you done the tracking there? Is it through the looking at the video or is it through <clears throat> like cell singulation? Cell? I think uh, they may have gotten what's called an uh, exigent circumstance. Um search warrant, something like that, or request okay. for, you know, through Facebook. Somehow they, yeah, yeah. they pinpointed it right down. I mean, they, I think they also were looking at the angle and they got it to the right apartment. Uh, right, right. Really nothing came of it. We thought maybe they even had some video of what mm. happened, but mm. no, it was kind of after the fact because once they saw the police and fire coming, then they started filming it. Right, right. So, okay. you know, although, although it was perfectly innocent, it was kind of mm. creepy. Because yeah. you know, one thing we were saying is, you know what, I wonder how many more of these things are out there where they're actually filming us for intelligence. Oh, yeah. Gangs. Yeah. Because yeah. I can tell you, uh, out of personal experience with my own agency, we had discovered a, uh, an apartment that was located uh, just across the street from the police station at an angle, and it was occupied by gang members, not from the Latin Kings, from, but the uh, I believe they were the uh, the um, Maniac Latin Disciples, and they were nice name, yeah, MLDs, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were they were filming or at least photographing whatever we were doing, intelligence information on our vehicles and things like mm. that. Our activity. Like like you've said a few times, these gangs are not fucking stupid anymore. They're yeah. like they're they're getting quite intelligent in, in the yeah. their means and ways that you know they yeah. go about stuff. They they actually in in you know smaller communities like mine, they actually know who's working. They can tell. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, unfortunately, if you have uh, police officers that aren't that quite in tune. Um, they know that, so they're gonna they're mm. gonna notch it up a bit, and then you they see certain other guys working. Okay, we're done for the night, or we're, we're yeah, moving. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think you mentioned you mentioned the case 
not that long ago. I'm not sure if it was on or off air, but it was one where you cl you had seen, or maybe one of your guys had seen, a gang member or, or gang members like staking out a fucking place to see if they could see who was working and, and see who was coming on, on shift and off shift or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we we encourage and it, and it freaks, freaks the younger uh, officers out sometimes when they come in and, you know, they're going through the field training program. Mm. And, you know, they're very proud, a lot of them, of being police officers. And they'll get, you know, in Illinois, in fact, Illinois has got the largest um, s supply of, they call them vanity plates. Like if, oh, yeah. you're a Chicago, if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you could actually get a Chicago Bears license plate. Right, right, yeah. Black, uh, Chicago Blackhawks, which is a hockey team. If you're a veteran, you won the Bronze Star. Uh, yeah. If you're a cop, you can get a law enforcement <laughs> uh, supporter plate, uh, law enforcement memorial plate. Mm. Um, you know, that's great to show that support. Mm. But if you're a cop, uh, I, you know, I, I basically call those look at me, shoot me plates. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You, know? like, you don't I mean, I hate to be, I hate to be that blunt, but yeah, you really yeah. want to keep it, unless you want to brick through your window. I mean, yeah, you're hanging the two, flag out, aren't you basically? And like, yeah, you are. I mean, two years ago, um, in my car, the, one of my unmarks that I drove, uh, and it's one of the, the perks of being a police chief, you get a take home car cause you know, you're on call 24 seven. Yeah. It was a Ford Escape, gray, looked like a family car. Mm. And one, one day I walked out into our parking lot at the police station. I don't know why, I thought, I go, boy, I wonder what that white stuff is on my back window. And it looked like something was pouring onto the window. I thought it might have been salt, you mm. know, from the, from the street. Well, somebody had taken acid and poured it all over the roof of my squad. Holy shit. Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, it completely bubbled up, burned up the whole top of the car. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we had to have it completely, you know, uh, sanded down. and. Did you ever catch who did it? No. That's, that's you, You'd be fucked over here if you did that to any police car because <laughs> acid attacks are a big thing, in, in certainly in the capital, um, but around the UK, yeah. acid attacks, certainly um, racist acid attacks are a, a huge thing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Terrible, so yeah. yeah Pretty bad stuff. On that. Mm, yeah, well, yeah. I had two, two of my guys that work narcotics, they were very active narcotics guys a few years ago, and um, they met up for dinner at a local, really good, we we have authentic Mexican food. I mean, this this is not Taco Bell stuff. This is good, good <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I, when I first started there, I, I tell you how good it was, I gained about 15 pounds. <laughs> so, I mean, like overnight it seemed. Um so anyway, these uh, two of my guys, and one of them was in a, in a fully marked vehicle. It was a black mm. and white squad car. They went to this place, and <laughs> next thing they, they hear is a, is a like a smashing noise, and they look out, and there's this motherfucker standing there, and he took a brick in plain view and just throws it through the back window of her squad, and they know the guy. He's a Latin king. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, they, they got that's him. That's crazy. Yeah, but he was, I mean... Some of these guys are pretty fucking crazy. What yeah. was it? Was that like some initiation kind of bullshit? Or no, no. He was just, just a... he knew he knew who was driving the squad, and he had arrested this guy a number of times. He's like, Gee. "Fuck you!" And you know what? Look, it's not a felony. It's criminal damage to property. It's a misdemeanor. Mm. Does this guy give a shit? He's probably got 
a rap sheet that's a mile long. Yeah, this yeah. Is just, this, in fact, this is probably some kind of a, an award-winning medal that he can wear in the Latin King Nation for doing <laughs> yeah. that. You know? Yeah, this is a new badge, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting that we had that live feed going. And again, yeah. we shouldn't be surprised because most of the stuff that we do now, uh, although we wear body cams, it makes no difference. People are filming us all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I could give a shit. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, this kid dies at the hospital, and uh, we start we start investigating. Now, again, luckily, uh, we like I said, we have a videotape. We actually interview somebody at the store who says, hey, I know one of these three guys. And it all kind of starts right then and there. Mm. Uh, we start tracking where these guys are, you know, start knocking on doors. We do the standard canvas, mm -hmm. um, go to their houses. We send the teams of detectives. Of course, nobody is around. Um, what our guys determine is that these three guys, because here's the other thing that we saw in the videotape, they didn't park a car in that lot. So wherever they came from and wherever they were running to was close, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So as it turns out, they were at a party that was at a local apartment building just down the street. They had stepped out to, I, th I think, pick up some more liquor. Mm. And uh, we tracked the party down. And, of course, everybody at the party is denying, denying, denying until they hear, hey, this is a fucking murder. Yeah, yeah. Someone's yeah, dead. I mean, it, we're, we're not looking for these guys for some, you know, uh, criminal damage to probably like a lawn. You know what a lawn job is? No. It's, no, it's not like a hand job or a blow job. It's actually... <laughs> Your 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 lawn gets torn up by tires. It's vandalism, you know. So they'll back a car up. Oh, back it up and then and wheel rip. spin. Right, uh, right. It's a lawn okay. job. So here you go. You can write De that down. Definitely a different kind of job. I'll I'll write that down in my chiefisms. <laughs> chiefisms, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, anyway, they uh, they track these guys back to this party. Um, question everybody there. They bring them in. You know, whatever, and nobody. Nobody knows. And then finally, somebody start, they start giving us some information. They say, yeah, you know, these three guys were there. One guy, nobody really knew. The other two guys, some people knew. So we started getting some names, mm. you know. Uh, and that's how these things start. Just yeah. simple things like that. Mm. And leverage, you know, a little bit of leverage. Hey, mm. do you want to be, you know, my <laughs> and I know it's old, yeah, but it works. Hey, you can either be uh, a good a good witness mm. Or a very good suspect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's your choice, man. Yeah. So I bet you, that does you, work. Yeah. Which one? Which one do you think is going to be? That would fucking work on me if you if you came into it to ask me. Yeah, you know, you do know, you want to be a fucking witness? Yeah, Francis, you're a clean guy. You know, I could get you to yeah. say fucking anything, probably. You know, you're <laughs> you've got a conscience. You know, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of these players don't. You know, they're they're stone cold. Yeah. Um, so we started getting some identification, tracking people. Um, you know, our guys are out there working their magic. Um, we started looking at the videotape more closely, trying to figure out, you know, what the fuck happened and, and who is this guy who got mm. killed, you know? Mm. And we find out that, uh, I believe his older brother is an active uh, gang member, uh, a gang that is uh, an anti-Latin King gang ah, on the right, other okay. side. And it also turns out that this kid and his brother appear identical. Uh, there's an age difference, but their their body structure, their face. You They're know, close and, enough to each other to... Mm. 
Yeah, so, you know, this entry down the road, uh, you know, almost turns into a case of mistaken identity. Wow. So, uh, the, the other thing is that we find out that apparently there is a, a, a riff or a beef with this, with this kid's brother as mm -hmm. well, with the, and the Latin Kings. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this, these Latin Kings, or these guys who are associated with these Latin Kings, there are a bunch of Latin Kings from uh, an area in the city, Kedzie and Lawrence, which is another stronghold of the Latin King nation. Right. Um, very violent, uh, no, uh, no hesitation to use weapons type of thing. Uh, contrary to some of the suburban Kings that are, you know, eh, you know, whatever, unless they've relocated from the city. I mean, yeah. some of these guys, some of these guys attending this party were very hardcore. Mm -hmm. So we start getting verification, uh, as to who they are. Um, the other thing about the video and the eyewitnesses is course what do we get we get great description on clothing mm. right <clears throat> and one guy was wearing a, a distinct multicolored uh the shooter uh sweatshirt cap and uh we had a good description i believe that still means you've was... got to catch these motherfuckers asap though right because before they change yeah. before they get rid yeah 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 mm. so uh being the good detectives the guys i was working with were uh, they started tracking, they're on a hunt, and eventually the hunt leads them to uh, an apartment building in Mundelein uh, where they uh, find a guy who was uh, identified by one of the people, I believe, at the party, uh, and this guy's name is uh, Jose Garcia, okay? okay? Mr. Garcia lives with his family, I believe. I know his mother was there. I don't know if his father was there when, when the detectives arrived. Okay. And uh, she lets him in. And he's just sitting on a couch, quote, as they say, chilling, watching TV. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> and it wasn't the night of it. This was going into the, into the evening of the next day when they mm -hmm. finally tracked these guys down. Uh, or at least this guy. So uh, he's sitting back trying to be cool, and they ask him if he would come with them, or I don't know if they said uh, would or whatever, but volunteer, yeah. he did voluntarily go with them. Okay. Um, so he's, and this is important stuff to detail that he came along with them voluntarily. Yeah. That he was in the, in the, in the squad or in the unmarked car, not in handcuffs. Mm -hmm. All that plays into effect. But here's, here's the kicker. Um, he gets up off the couch, puts on a pair of shoes. Now, remember I told you it was kind of shitty out cold? Mm -hmm. Well, being a good mother that she is, guess what the fuck she hands him? Don't forget your sweatshirt. Oh, okay. Same fucking sweatshirt, I'm going to guess. Yeah. And it hasn't been washed. <laughs> so, yeah, we kind of took that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah, you bring very it with. much, Mom. Definitely bring it with. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mom, because eventually... Yeah. What that sweatshirt reveals is gunshot residue. Yeah. Yeah. All the way um, up the sleeve. Right. So they bring him in and, um, you know, they start questioning him. And, of course, you know, he's, you know, deny, deny, deny the usual. Mm. I don't know what's going on. Um, eventually, I mean, they're telling him, too, hey, look. Uh, and they're not lying. We have a videotape of you. I was just going to say. 
Not only the yeah. GSR, but the, you got the videotape to match up, right? And say, well, look, it's here yeah, and the, here. The GSR hasn't come back yet from the shirt. So we mm. don't even know. That, that comes along later on. That's just topping on, on all the evidence. But mm. they are telling them, uh, you know, you need to tell us what happened here because it, it's not looking good for you. We've got mm. you on video along with these two other guys. Um, and clearly we see you following this guy out into the parking lot. And I don't think you believe them. Mm. You know, they wouldn't show him the video. Um, eventually at least he starts admitting that he was in the store and right. I believe he gave, he gave up the identities of the other two guys, but I've got, I didn't have anything to do with this. Although he's the shooter. Yeah. Um, still not giving it up. And then I think they started talking to him a little bit about that previous case that we reviewed of the... Uh, the arson, where the two moron Latin kings throw the Molotov cocktail. Yes, yes. Whatever, yeah. So uh, one of the thing, one of the uh, techniques that they used with him was that they were telling him that, look, um, you fucked up, dude. Mm. And they were like, what do you mean I fucked up? Uh, well, you killed the wrong guy. Mm, mm. And do you remember what happened to the two brothers who killed the kid? Mm. Do you think the Latin Kings are going to be really fucking happy about what you just did? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that gets him to thinking a little bit. Mm. Uh, the Latin Kings, you know, I mean, they are organized crime. And if they put a hit on somebody, they expect a hit. But you yeah. got to hit the right guy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. So uh, the other thing is there's sanctioned and unsanctioned shootings. And, you know, Latin Kings too. I mean, they're, you know, especially down in the city. You gotta get a, it's gotta be a sanctioned murder per se. Yeah, they, say, there's hey. still rules to this shit, right? Well, they don't want blowback either because mm. they know that you know what's going to happen is whatever this is linked back to, uh, ultimately a pile of shit is going to land in their laps mm. uh, as far as the heat from the police. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because we've we've done that before on gang gang murders up in North Chicago, where we mm. get to a point where we say saturation, which means yeah. we bring in every every cop we can get our hands on, and we just sit, start hitting the streets. Fill you the know streets. what happens? What hap What happens is there's no crime in that in that city for 24 hours. Mm, if there's no yeah. crime, there's no drug sales. If there's no mm. drug sales, there's no money. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it does have an effect. So you don't yeah. want to, you know bring unnecessary I guess, heat bottom line there's still they might be gangs and whatnot but at the, at the core of it it's still a business it still is in some places some yeah. places it's it, you know when i first got out to uh this area meaning the, the lake county area as a police officer uh the gangs were very fundamental uh they weren't business they were peewees they're yeah you know, they were in the gang but they were kind of eh. You know, their their disputes were more personal, like this guy screwed my girlfriend. Tough war or fucking yeah. Yeah, or yeah, this guy yeah. yeah, this guy insulted me in school mm. when we were passing in the hallway, that type of mm, bullshit. Yeah. Uh but you know, now it's evolved into, you know, hardcore, you know. You saw what happened down in Mexico this week, I'm sure you heard about it. I'm not sure if I did actually, to be honest. <clears throat> well, you need to you need to when we get off of this, go on to Google. I'd be and, surprised uh, if I didn't hear it, but El, El Chapo's son? No, definitely didn't hear it, which is... Okay, El, El Chapo. Wrong. You know who El Chapo is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, right. He's in Supermax. Well, he's got a son. And the Mexican authorities uh, tried arresting him, uh, and there was a battle, gun battle. 
between uh, I th- Sinaloa cartel. I can't remember what must cartel be the Sinaloa was. cartel. Yeah, um, they had him in custody, meaning the uh, Mexican National Police. Oh, he and escaped. No, he didn't escape. They let him go. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah, they got outgunned. Fuck. I just Googled it now. I definitely didn't. I didn't see it this week. Yeah, but like I said, I've been uh, extremely busy this week. But this is something I would usually catch, man. I have kept my fucking finger on the pulse, so I'm not sure how I missed this one. Yeah, they got outgunned. There's like a a gun battle that's filmed, videotaped, and uh, basically the Mexican national authorities gave up and said, fuck this. And they did it for a good reason. Not that, you know, they weren't being pussies or anything like that, but this is a broad day. Yeah. The public safety. Yeah, there are yeah. gunshots flying all over the place, so they let this guy go. <laughs> I mean, these cartels—they're yeah. no fucking joke, man. Especially El Chapo and anybody connected to that mm-hmm. motherfucker. You don't—they're not coming with—they're not coming with peewee shooters, are they? <laughs> you know what I mean? They, well, they are. He's still got a son, a son out there, and apparently the son's got some power um, because they didn't mess yeah. around with him. Um, so anyway, we bring this guy back in, or I'm sorry, this guy's in being questioned, and eventually they do show him the video. Mm. And yeah, he admits to it. He gives it up and says that uh, there was a beef inside the store, meaning an mm. argument, and that one of the guys with him, and it's a guy who also gets convicted of murder, and we have that that law in place here uh, in Illinois that if you're part of that chain yeah. of events leading up to a murder, you can also be charged with first degree murder. You're in it. You're in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now he's he he appealed this and everything was a ruling back in uh, May of this year. The appellate upheld it, but there was one descending appellate judge. Now they're taking his appeal. This is the guy who didn't, wasn't the actual shooter, mm. but he's the guy who kind of instigated the argument. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now part of the argument, and th- and this is how petty and stupid some of this shit is, mm. was the way this guy's hat was tilted. If you tilted to the left. You're one. Uh, you're either people or folks, or you tip it, tip it to the right. I don't. I'm not. I can't remember which way he had it tipped, mm. but he had it tipped the wrong way. And I think this guy, I believe, and I don't have the reports in front of me, so this is not an exact quotation. Said something like, "Quote, fix your shit, bitch." Meaning, okay, meaning the hat. Mm. And of course, you know, he's proud and he's loud, and he probably said something to him, and I'm sure exactly what the exchange was. Mm. Then all of a sudden, you know, he could tell it was getting serious. So he needed, he, there's three of them and one of him. Yeah. So he had to get the fuck out of there. Mm. And uh, you see them, you know, he's backing out the door. They're following him. Like I said, they follow him into the parking lot. One guy stays back. Uh, the two guys who eventually get convicted of murder, the shooter and the guy who told him, hey, fix your, your shit, bitch, or whatever. Mm. Um they follow him into the parking lot. The shooter raises up his arm, and there's multiple shots fired. Um, I don't recall exactly how many shell casings were recovered, but it was enough. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't have the autopsy results, but you know, he was hit enough times, you know, to kill him. Yeah. Um, and it was really sad because it, you know, one, it's just a young man. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, look, he's 18 years old. Um, I don't know. Uh, if he was involved in the gang life, uh, his brother apparently was in a mm-hmm. rival gang. 
they thought that's who it was. Mm. Uh, and there was some kind of an ongoing beef, not only because of games, but I think a personal one between the brother and a set of the Latin Kings. Mm. Um, so it really came down to, uh, you know, this guy, Jose Garcia, who, you know, is a shooter and he's 19 mm. making a really, really fucked up decision. Mm. And that, I don't know if this guy even, you know, some of these idiots even realize what gunshots can do to you. If they just look at, you know, some of these uh, movies and think, okay, oh, well, a fucking guy gets shot, he survives, it's fine. I'm going to be a hero. I'm just sending a message. Well, no, now, motherfucker, you're going down for a first degree murder. Yeah, you're doing life. Yeah. Mm. Right. So eventually it leads to these other guys. Arrests are made. Indictments are done. Results come back from the... Um, crime lab with the GSR and the clothing. Uh, there was a uh, circle jerk about the gun. This guy still was not giving up everything. He would not give up where the gun was taken or tossed. Mm. So I don't believe the gun was ever recovered. Doesn't really matter. Mm. Um, but, you know, I got to laugh about some of the circumstances. And it's not that any murder is funny, but this, you know, uh, gunshot residue on his clothing and I think they the sweatshirt had residue on the right and left cuffs which indicates probably he was holding the gun with both hands mm. um, and uh, it was you know clearly gunshot residue and, and it clearly indicated that he had discharged a handgun um, it also indicated he was three to four feet uh, to the side or the back of the gun which means that you know he had his his stance was up mm stands out in front of him, you know, so, mm. uh, science doesn't lie. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, there was also a, a black glove that was found, um, at, uh, one of the players homes, uh, that also tested positive for, uh, presence of gunshot residue, okay. which, um, could or could not mean it could, it, it just means that he had contact with a weapon with a weapon. Yeah, he could have uh, been handed well it mean, straight after. He could have been handed it to dispose of, because that's what they do mm. too, is they'll hand off a gun to somebody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it does, so, it, does also, it, it does also mean that he's been handed that gun after it's been discharged as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, eventually, uh, Garcia testifies to that, you know, he was uh, a Latin king, admitted to that, uh, that he wore a green shirt and he wore a black redded, you know, everything that was described. Um, he also explained that he wore uh, gloves because it was cold outside. He denied that he had a gun or knew anyone else who had a gun. I mean, there was a lot of denials initially. Mm. So, but all the evidence put together, uh, you know, the eyewitnesses who knew him yeah, uh, or, or knew one of them and the videotape, the sweatshirt, the confession, Boom! Oh, it's you fucking hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Yeah, you had a, you know, you had the jury out for several hours, and probably I don't know what they were discussing. Um, probably the charges usually, because yeah. they'll give them a buffet of mm -hmm. of charges and say, okay, here's first first degree murder has a ton of levels to it. It's still first degree murder. Uh, so it's not surprising, you know, a lot of people get um, confused here in the States, especially in Illinois, when they say, okay, 
there was only one guy killed, but how are you charging with six counts of first-degree murder? Because mm. there are def different variations and definitions to first-degree murder, so they charge him with all, all the ones that are applicable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes perfect sense. And, and also, um, I guess you want to make sure that you get the right charges because we've, we've said before where things can happen even 10 years down the line where, you know, this person has been put away for, let's just say, first-degree murder in this instance. But I guess making sure that the right charges are laid out and stick is the most important thing because he might pull something, you know, a loophole 10 years down the line that goes, well, actually, you charged me with this, but this proves that, you know, whatever else happened or whatever else was used and all right. of a sudden you're dealing with the fucking guy back out on the streets again. You know exactly. what I mean? So, so I guess yeah. you've got to, you've got to make the right charges stick, right? Right. You know, and there was an appeal, uh, in this case and, you know, part of it was that, uh, coercive or, or the appeal was hanging on coercive techniques were used during the interrogation it was videotaped. And yeah. uh, in uh, Garcia's case, all three judges in the appellate found uh, for the conviction, upheld it. Um, and, you know, if, if you ever get a chance, these things are really interesting to read because they detail or outline the entire appeal, which basically gives you a summary of the entire case. Mm -hmm. uh, but that also gives you uh, the opinions of the judges. And why they say, no, this wasn't coercive or, you know, this may have been perceived at, but they never crossed that line. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I bet that makes in, for this, interesting it, reading. Yeah, one of the things that I know uh, one of them claimed, or this guy claimed that, I mean, one of the detectives interviewing him, mm. uh, outstanding detective, and he's actually one of the guys that flew out to uh, North Dakota with me on the uh, uh, Billy Varner case. Okay. Um, so he, when he was interviewing him, he said, you know, um, I just got a call from my police chief, which he did. Mm. And he wants to know, how, you know, what the hell's going on. Not so much, you know, we got the murder case going. It's, but how is this blowback going to affect money? Are there going to be, you know, repercussions? Mm. Are there, is there going to be a revenge shooting? Mm. Because this was a fucked up mistake or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. Remember I told you the, the other case with the, yeah. and he, he didn't believe him at first, but then he did believe him. And even in the appeal, it said that, uh, you know, the detectives did not lie, that there was contact made with the police chief and they were concerned that the but you community are, was at risk. You are allowed to uh, tell deceptive, you're allowed to make deceptive yeah. statements anyway, right? That's not coercion in my you, opinion. No, it's, you are, you are, but you've got to be careful. Um, uh, yeah, I, don't no, like, I get that. I, don't I know like you don't like doing it. Yeah, yeah, I know I, I know that you don't, but but I'm just saying it's not against the law for the police to, to do that either. No. So And there's there's different ways of doing it where you don't have to lie, and it's more in line with a question. Mm. And here I would present this. So... Jose, let me ask you this. What if the crime lab comes back and you know there's a thing called gunshot residue? So when you fire a gun, there's this stuff that you can't see that goes in your hands, your clothing, and your mm. hair. What if your clothing comes back testing positive? Mm, mm. And I guarantee you, you look at his eyes and they're just, 
you can just tell all the wheels are spinning. Mm -hmm. How the fuck do I get out of that? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, some guys I'll are very, some guys are quick and they'll come up with answers. Well, you know who the fuck you know who the fuck's to say that I wasn't out, you know, firing off a gun a couple of days ago just yeah, fucking around. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know that's not against the law. But, but you know. see, it's different with you. You've got tenure on your side as well. You're you're an ex, you're a veteran, experienced cop that understands there's different ways to word things and different questions to ask. And even rather than saying you know my guys just said this, you wouldn't say that necessarily. You'd ask a right. question well what happens if this right and then immediately yeah. you're not lying you're just asking a question yeah. right but that's yeah. pure experience on your part i'm just making the point yeah. that and i agree with you i agree that it's better to be honest anyway because as you found in so many cases it 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 gives you a certain level of respect with that person as well doesn't it right but right. I, to me like i don't see i i don't like the fact that that was even brought up as coversion you know what i mean like that's, yeah, that's but it, I mean, uh, you know, defensive def defense attorneys are going to attack every angle, every aspect, yeah, trying to act yeah. in the best interest. Of that's her job. Their yeah. job is to discredit the investigation and everything that was done during the investigation. Let me give yeah. you an example of, of one of my favorite questions. And I, and unfortunately, I had to work a lot of child sex cases in, mm. involving pedophiles, right? Um, you know, one year or two, it was probably two years, I was still working as a detective and just got inundated with these child sex cases. It's like every fucking pedophile in the world was winding up landing in a round lake area. It's like, it was disgusting, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a, you know, a, a question that I always like to ask and it is so telling the answer mm. and it, it can be answered two ways. The question is this, Francis, what do you think should happen to a person who does something like oh, yeah. this? Okay. Mm. okay? So, a proportional amount of the time, the offender, the guilty offender, is going to say, well, you know, I think they should get treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've, Where, you've, you've asked me this off air before, or you've yeah, spoken about it off air before, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I get where you're going with it, yeah. The other guy is going to, the guilty, or the not guilty guy is going to jump like, out of his fucking chair. Fucking string him up, yeah. Yeah, put him in jail, fucking mm. kill him, if that were mm. Mike, you know, that type of thing. Mm. Um, so there are some some key questions that can be asked that don't they're not coercive in any way, they're very telling. Yeah, you know they're yeah. very they're, the answers to those questions are very telling. Now, also getting you know I always tell detectives to uh, don't go in with an empty toolbox and start you know and please excuse the term don't shoot from your fucking hip. Yeah, um, yeah. Because if you get caught in a lie, you're fucked. Yeah. Because then they know you you have shit and everything mm. else that comes out of your mouth is irrelevant. Mm. Um, always have something in that toolbox that you can line your questioning up with. Mm -hmm. And and this is the thing that, that this is gonna help you with. A lie is as good as the truth. Yeah. Proving a lie is as good as the truth. Why? Because every time that son of a bitch lies, what happens? His credibility with a jury or whatever starts going down to shitter. Mm. Because you have the evidence you, why are you lying if you're not guilty? I mean, why are yeah. you lying if, you know, clearly we have this evidence. You're lying. You're contradicting everything that mm. we're telling you. You're lying. We know. We have the proof that you're lying. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. You did a case. I don't know that we've done the case on the podcast, so I won't go into the specifics, but there was a case of a child who was, it seemed that the child was killed. And I, I'm I'm going to like obviously condense it all down to one sentence here, but you basically mm-hmm. caught the perpetrator in a lie and it kind of just unraveled from there and and they were and you were like well you know that couldn't have happened because we've just tested for this and and it all the science shows that didn't happen and and from right. that one lie it fucking just opened wide up yeah. so there was a yeah. yeah in that case in particular which was a very controversial case uh and it was appealed twice denied uh the supreme court wouldn't mm. hear it and you right. know to me, it was a rock solid case, but uh, every time this individual would tell us how this person or infant died, what we would do is leave. And there was a team, uh, a pathologist, uh, evidence people, you know, there was a team uh, at another site testing that lie and scientifically yeah. proving, no, that's impossible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you come back and you confront you weren't lying to him. You say, look. We have a team. They just did this. They did that, and they mm. said it's absolutely impossible for that mm. to have occurred that way. Mm. So yeah, and boom, a lie so, is as good as the truth. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, this is an unfortunate incident, but again, it shows mm. it goes to show you that the spontaneity uh, and the uh, absolute no conscience, no uh, remor- no thought process, uh, how idiotic these killings are. Yeah. And it could happen at any any place at any time. And they still keep happening. Um, mm. You know, the gangs are, are getting more and more. Again, I think they're on, on the comeback uh, because there is legislation that keeps inhibiting the police, so mm. to speak. And, you know, we're, we've suddenly gotten into a quagmire where I think it's not that, you know, our authority has been stripped from us, but a lot of things that are legal are being questioned publicly as if we're doing something wrong. Yeah. And I think that's making a lot of police officers, uh, A, reluctant to mm. be pro- proactive. I'm not saying mm. aggressive or violating anybody's rights. And, and B, the other the other cause and effect here is we are having an absolute horrendous time in police recruitment. Um, yeah, we cannot get uh, we cannot get personnel or, or individuals to apply for police jobs that in the past have always been appealing because of the pay. The money. now mm. it's just such an unpopular job to have. But how many times have I said pr- predominantly off air, right? But how many times have I said to you, "Ah, oh, seen this today." fucking pissed me off made my blood boil whatever like it's not just the pay they have to contend with it's not just the hours the shift work the the type of work that they do on a daily basis nowadays you got to you got to worry about the the all the motherfuckers out there with us with the cell phone as you call them right a mobile phone over here on my side of the pond but people with fucking video uh capabilities on their mobile phone it's ridiculous and all this shit clickbait videos that I see, okay, so some of it probably needed, okay? Because as we've right. spoke before, there are, just as there are in any profession, there are the one percenters who, you know, whether 
they're just bad people or they don't do the job properly, they don't love the job or whatever it might be, they, are, they do exist in every walk of life. But it overshadows the 99% that are great at what they do, really good in their communities and for their communities. And I think that there's a mentality on probably a global scale now that is just like trying to blame cops, shame cops, and get more likes, if anything. Get more likes right. on their Facebook pages and their fucking Instagram accounts or whatever. You know, it's bullshit. I hate it. But that does lead to me to a good uh, end point, I guess, for today of, you know, we'd like to talk about a bit of good news here and there. Um, you and I spoke a little while ago about an, a project of sorts um, we're going to call The Blue Matters. And so I'm very close to uh, launching the website that we've got for that. I really wanted to put it out there because I, I don't want it to operate in the way that you and I are doing our podcast. Obviously, this is a very unique and special thing that we've got here. But what I do want is to give law enforcement a voice and somewhere to be seen and be heard in the right kind of way. Because you can go online onto any social media network or hundreds, if not thousands or millions of websites and see all the negative bullshit about cops and the job that they do but there's not that many outlets certainly not the the news media around the world that shows good policing stories and so the bluematters.com is going to be a place where you and i are going to uh, hopefully help as many law enforcement officers around the world certainly on both sides of the pond in having their voice and being heard and being seen for all the, all the good and great police work that they're doing in their communities right Right. And I think, you know what, I think it's important to extend it over, like you said, I mean, this is a, a, a great concept doing the European aspect as opposed to the American uh, aspect. And, and there's law enforcement all over the world. I knew, I know that when I went on Instagram initially, uh, I was starting to get uh, requests from uh, officers in France, all over the mm. world. It was pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, I got to tell you one thing. If any of the Instagram photos are like what I'm seeing, those fucking French guys are pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> and I, don't, I, I have never seen anybody, unless they're just getting these, these uh, male and female officers who are just like ripped yeah, in yeah. shape in France. You know, it's like, oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. And, and they're always carrying... Uh, you know, submachine guns, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, I think the French, there. French and German police carry. I think must be like AR-15s or something like that, or MP. Yeah, I think they're MP. M, what are they? MP4s or MP5s? Yeah, or maybe MP4s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. they're. I mean, they don't. They don't. Fight, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, there's some, been some very horrific incidents in France. Yeah. Um, and in Germany, for years, I mean, even before Al Qaeda, and it always was seem to be ground central for these anti-government terrorist groups. Always some shit popping off over there. Yeah, yeah. I don't get that. I don't know why it's always in Germany, but, you know, whatever. Hey, you uh, were yeah, quite shocked that um, British... Sorry to interrupt you, but you were quite shocked that yeah. British police didn't carry. You know, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it, but it's it just so... It's... Uh, it's so contradictory that they have these teams on standby to come with guns. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't get that. Either <laughs> carry, I, I mean, what? Okay, guys, hey, uh, you know, this guy's blowing the fuck out of me here. Uh, <laughs> when you getting here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, you know what? 
I know that's a historical thing in Great mm. Britain, and I know you've told me that uh, predominantly uh, most of your murders occur with knives, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Knife, yeah knives, and, uh, knives are a big thing. I'm sure there's more than enough guns in Great Britain, too. I mean, no matter what. Um, yeah. So is is it prohibited? I'm just curious. I know that Northern Ireland is still a part of uh, British Commonwealth yeah, or whatever. And, no, it's part of the United Kingdom. It is part. Okay, yeah. so it, it, is it prohibited for police to carry weapons there? You know what? I don't actually know because of all the, because of the troubles. So with well, the yeah, IRA back I mean. in the day, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, it may uh, be different. I mean, I've been in Northern Ireland a few times, and I've I have seen police with guns, but that may may have been at checkpoints. Yeah. So, hey, look, Francis. Know. You know what? Uh, a gun is absolutely your last resort. Okay, mm. um, and I know it seems like this is the wild west out here. We're all gun happy, and you know everybody's got to have a gun, and everybody's all this shit's gun related. Yeah. Um, it just seems like everything we talk about is some way or another ties back to guns. Yeah. Uh, they're here, and you know what? Unfortunately, uh, we've got to address the issue, and we have to be better armed, better trained. Uh, and you know what? Here's the other thing. We're at a disadvantage completely, not just because of, you know, we have great training. It's an mm. advantage. We're, we're, you know, we finally evolved over the last several years into great equipment. It's an advantage. Yeah, um, we've got units that respond to all sorts of critical incidents, like you know, uh, regional SWAT teams. Fantastic. Mm. The one disadvantage we have as police officers is that the bad guy knows when they're going to shoot. Mm. Yeah, you know, you don't know uh, if and when don't. you should. Mm. And and lately too, uh, because of what's been going on nationally, uh, I guarantee you, there are probably going to be, you know, there's going to be a rise in police officer deaths. Uh, because of the reluctance to use deadly force because yeah. officers being charged and there's a rush to judgment without due process for all the facts being exposed. Yeah. Um, so you're going to find a lot of situations where police officers that would normally go into a hot situation where there's somebody else's life at risk, mm. maybe a little reluctant, mm. hoping not. Um, because you know you're, you know you're sworn an oath to serve and protect, and that doesn't yeah. mean uh, by choice. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, know you can't 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 pick and choose. Mm. You know, I know there's a, uh, and I don't know all the facts, uh, but immediately down in I think it was it was Fort Worth, Texas, where an officer responded to a suspicious circumstance call or a check a check for well being. And then suddenly that turned into an officer involved shooting and there was yes. a woman he shot. And <clears throat> I think within hours he was terminated. And then within less than 12 hours or 20, minimally 24, he was already charged with murder. I don't know all the facts, mm. uh, but it seems to me in having investigated a substantial number of officer involved shootings, um, you know, it's still... You know, even in a homicide, I you know, you're, you don't charge people that quickly. I mean, there's still got to be evidence, due process. Inter I mean, but I think uh, police executives now might, might be a little too quick to pull the trigger on their own people. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. There's certainly going to be, we've just been talking about it, people not wanting 
wanting to become cops. Yeah. There's going to be hesitation right. there right. for sure because right. they're going to be like, well, yeah. if I'm like inevitably, well, not inevitably, but some way, some way down the line, there may be a situation where I've yeah. got my gun drawn on someone and it's a fucking split second decision on what to do. Oh, yeah. And it's, why would you want that responsibility before even getting into it, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're risking, you know, everything. You know, yeah. including the possibility of imprisonment. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't have an answer for it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, or I, sus I suspect, Chief, it's probably going to be a conversation we have many, many times down the road. Anyway, so I think as so. we have, and, I, and I hate to. I, and again, you know, one of the things that we agreed to was not to second guess anybody's uh, judgments, including this uh, thing in Fort Worth, which I know absolutely nothing more than what I've seen on the news. I don't know all the yeah. circumstances, but, um, you know, the only thing that kind of was surprising is how quickly everything, uh, kind of fell into place and there may be a good mm. reason for it. I don't know. Uh, yeah. but it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out. And then you cross the border and Jesus Christ, you got a, uh, a, a fucking full scale war going on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. You gotta, I mean, do yourself a favor and watch the video of this thing. 100%. I'm going to check it out as soon as we're done. 100%. I mean, it's like boom, 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 boom. There's a running gunfight. And these guys, there's one I saw where the cartel guys have got a uh, a machine gun, like a, a military-grade machine gun mounted on the back of a pickup truck. Oh, and they're yeah, just no. rolling through. It's probably got to be a 50 cal. Jeez. They're just blowing the shit out of everything. They don't fuck around down there. They don't fuck around. Here's a question to ask everybody. Who in the fuck would want to be a cop down in Mexico? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You only need you to see be... fucking narcos to know that not a lot. <laughs> right? You got to be batshit fucking crazy to want to have anything to do with that. So just yeah. a real quick story before we end this. And I want to end on a good note too. But yeah. this is just kind of a story. We sent a team down on a murder case. This is a number of years ago. And it was like a scene out of a, a, a Quentin Tarantino movie because mm. we had to send him down to talk to an informant who was in Mexico but would not come over into the United States because he was scared of getting arrested, right? <laughs> but he agreed to meet our guys at a border on a bridge. Okay. So they flew into, I think it may have been San Antonio, then they said they drove for three some odd hours. They met yeah. up with the Border Patrol. And there was a bridge between wherever the hell they were. And they, you know, the Border Patrol guys said there's a line. And there was a line, you know, painted on the bridge. Yeah. Do not put your toe on that line. Because they'll grab you and pull you over and you're gone. Shit. Yeah, so... But, you know, these the guys we sent down there, they're three tough motherfuckers. Uh, I know mm. two of them were from Waukegan and one was from the sheriff's office. And, you know, God help the guy to try to pull him over anything, I think. <laughs> yeah, he would have been flung over that bridge. But <laughs> yeah. it was, they, they said it was like they might as well have heard like that uh, Clint Eastwood whistle in the background. You know, they're, they're walking down the bridge. <laughs> the guy's coming at them. They meet there and he does give them information. Yeah. Uh, and then that was it. And the information, you know, it was okay. It, it wasn't worth, they said it wasn't worth all the shit travel that they had to do had just to, to get that for like a, a, you know, a less than two minute conversation. Fuck, you know. Yeah. God. So on a positive note, you know, I, uh, I know, uh, we spoke a little bit about this, uh, homicide conference I went to and, uh, mm. 
There was a, a gentleman there that was a former me member of uh, SEAL Team 6 um, who was wounded in an operation uh, trying to recover the remains of Navy SEALs from a helicopter that was shot down. It was like the the most tragic event in Navy, Navy SEAL history. An RPG yeah. hit this helicopter uh, on an operation. This guy had been in a, a Navy SEAL for a number of years, went on 165 operations and operations in navy seal terms mean and we talked about this it means either they're going to get somebody which mm -hmm. means you know pretty much abduct them or they're mm -hmm. going to kill kill somebody yeah so not every much one every one of these operations are high risk yeah. so this this uh navy seal was wounded uh sustained a, a career ending injury and uh at one point in his uh life you know he he went down a rabbit hole Mm. Um, I, I, 65, I can't remember the exact number of surgeries, but it was, it was uncanny how many they saved his leg and, you know, between the alcohol, uh, the medications they were giving him, his, his mindset, everything else, uh, he finally got down to the point of almost, you know, committing suicide mm. Two two Norfolk police officers responded to his house when his wife called 911 and they, he said, if it weren't for those officers engaging, talking to him using techniques that they were trained to use, mm. uh, he wouldn't be alive and standing on the stage. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was a very powerful lesson. Uh, the other one we didn't talk about is uh, the Mandalay Bay uh, mass shooting in yeah. Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. uh, the detectives, two of the detectives that handled that mass shooting were there, but there was also a speaker and she was a Los Angeles police officer who was there for the concert with her friends. Yes, yes. And, and uh, she was extremely powerful in her message. She got wounded. She got shot in the leg almost immediately. Mm. Uh, she did a homemade tourniquet on her leg or she probably would have died. Uh, she was trying to hobble away from the scene as quickly as possible. She finally wound up collapsing somewhere and asking for help because she needed to tighten the tourniquet. She was asking for a belt but mm. she said people were running by her and she never blamed a single individual. Somebody did stop and help her to help her and spent three and a half hours with her until an ambulance finally got to her. You're telling us they were describing the scene that there were actually individuals in wheelbarrows in the middle of the Las Vegas Strip dead because these, these wheelbarrows were used to cart um, ice right. during the concert. Yeah. And the individuals that were trying to help people, that they were taking injured or wounded people, putting them in these wheelbarrows and carting them as far away from the scene as possible. Jeez. But because of the overwhelming amount of victims, uh, they were not getting medical treatment, you know, and they were bleeding out. So that in, during wow. the day, it was surreal. They had yeah, yeah. Bodies, bodies everywhere. So very tragic. Yeah, which, definitely. Which brings me to uh, the increase in officer suicides um, there's always been this uh, stigma of officers uh, dealing, trying to deal and cope with their demons mm. because of this job on their own. And I can tell you, you can't do it on your own. God, you, you, it's a combination of, of a lot of things, including family mm. support. Mm. Um, it's, you know, back in the day, you go out after shift, you get drunk, mm. um, you talk it out with your buddies, but you still got a feeling like shit the next day, even worse. Mm, yeah. You know, <clears throat> so thank God 
there are a lot of uh, organizations out there that uh, began to realize this, and unfortunately it had to take uh, just this dramatic increase in police suicides, mm. especially especially New York, um, is getting hit like crazy. And uh, shout out to my friend uh, David Chianese, who's a retired NYPD detective, who's trying to lead a charge out there to come up with a uh, some support groups for police officers. I've seen his stuff online. That guy's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. he's 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 really good. Uh, he's a talker too. You think I'm a talker? Holy shit! <laughs> he can run for your me. money. That says yeah. It says a lot when I sit there and don't say shit for a half hour. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, and he's like, "Hey, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here." <laughs> so uh, you know, he's he's doing a lot of great things out on the East Coast, and uh, I was approached by a group of individuals here in our area in Northern Illinois. And it's a group that was formed uh, just in, within the last several months called We Never Walk Alone. And it's a really unique concept uh, where it's a network of peer support. And it also is a network that offers you uh, mental health, we don't want, you know, treatment, uh, substance mm. abuse treatment, specifically for officers. The nice mm. part about it is this. The peers are trained. They're all po police officers. There's a database, and once you get your, your – we've already bought into this. We started it just yesterday, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, and what I've done is uh, all of our officers are enrolled in this. They, It's very private because a lot of poli police officers really um, – they're a little skeptical, and they're a little – uh, suspicious when their own departments or municipalities uh, offer them uh, EAP, Employee Assistance Programs, because they yeah. feel somehow that's going to get the vote. This is completely offline. They yeah, it's, it's anonymous and, and anonymous. Mm. They they have their own um, logins. They mm. they can pick from. God, there's got to be over 200 officers right now in the peer support part of it. They could pick an officer. And they don't have to. to they don't have to do it from the department. They can do it from home no, and whatever. No, it's device. all strictly. At, it, they can do it on duty. They can do it off duty. It's, yeah. There's nothing traceable. Mm -hmm. uh, there's all sorts of resources being offered. I think we're the twelfth agency to sign on. Uh, Chicago PD is a part of it. That's huge. Mm -hmm. uh, Cook County Sheriff. That's huge. Uh, I believe the Illinois State Police are coming on board. That's huge, too. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the individuals that is in the two individuals I want to acknowledge, uh, Chief Bill Kushner from Displains, who's uh, uh, the guy's phenomenal. He's a retired Chicago police commander, and um, he got back into police work as a chief. Uh, he's just a stand-up guy. I mean, he's got a lot on his plate. He's mm. believe me, and he has never not returned one of my phone calls. And I'm, I always apologize to him. I said, "Listen, man, I'm reading about all the shit you're going through. I really <laughs> feel bad." And he's like, "No, no, no, man. He, he's one of these down to earth, you know, uh, cops, cop type of guy. Mm. So he he's in the back uh, background heading, you know, uh, up the law enforcement component of this thing and pushing it. And then there's a, a individual by the name of Dr. Marla Friedman." Um, and her and I have an interesting history. Uh, you spoke about put, Marla before, yeah. Yeah, Mar Marla was put in a squad car with me when I was a patrol officer That's on a ride-along. Mm. One night, right? And I don't know what the fuck I said or did. I must have impressed her. Because she said, 
she made a, a life-changing decision because she was already a, a, a doctor, a psychologist, mm. that she was going to dedicate herself to law enforcement in whatever mm. capacity. She became a forensic psychologist, so in, in turn, she was a profiler. Yeah. But she also got involved in the mental health and well-being of police officers, so she's behind this program as well. Um, it's great. It's gaining momentum like crazy, and mm -hmm. I just think it's a a good thing for my guys and gals. And, and, and in fact, the one thing that we did too, we requested it, and they said, "Yeah, we think it's a great idea." I've got my civilian employees on in this thing too. Oh wow! Yeah, I you know I mean I I think people kind of they're kind of the the silent uh, behind the scenes people, but you know yeah. what? There is this exposed to a yeah. Lot they say of us. a lot of this shit too, right? So they they have to look at it. They have to mm. help us with it. They they mm. interact. They hear the chatter. They're they're involved in it. Mm. And there's a lot of pressure and stress. They deal with people either on the phone or in person all the time. Mm. So I think they need an outlet as well. Yeah. So uh, I'm really proud of the fact that you know we've started this program or gotten involved in it, and and thankful that we were invited to get involved in it. I think the only downside to it is that it's uh, something that's only happening fairly recently and it's it's not nationwide and it's not global and it's not right. every police department and every cop involved and yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, now every, you know, every jurisdiction uh, through their insurance carrier has what's called an EAP, Employee mm. Assistance Program. So if you have an insurance policy, uh, you know, if you want to look up a, maybe a bad comparison you need a podiatrist well that insurance mm. company has a list of recommended okay whatever. yeah yeah but they also have psychotic but again it's a trust factor and with police yeah. officers they're very leery and skeptical about letting people into their own personal lives um which but, cop's going to go in and actually look up a fucking psychiatrist or whatever at work, you know, through their EA? Like, exactly. If there's something like this that they know they can go to, they've got their own login, like you said, they can do it right. in the comfort, privacy right. of their own home, whatever. Right. I, I think it's going to get a lot more people involved in it, and I, I really yeah. hope it does as well, definitely. And, and, and what I try, I've been trying to do is approach all the officers. You, you know, when I run into two of them, it's shift change, three of them, one of them. I'm always talking about it and emphasizing, look, uh, don't go down a rabbit hole. Mm. Um, I'm 100% I'm behind you. We're never, this is never going to be used again. This is something that needs to happen. You can't resolve these issues on your own. Definitely As not. much as you like to think you're that strong, mm. you can't. And I go, take it from somebody who's seen and been involved in enough where, you know, I realized there was a point where, hey, look, um, enough is enough, mm. you know, and you, you can't just sit there with your buds. They're not going to resolve all those issues for you. You mm -hmm. need to, to give these resources to the officers. Definitely. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and, and let's be honest, nobody wants to be at the funeral of anybody who's committed suicide no. over something that could have been talked about no. and helped. So right. Right. that, that shit's it, got to stop. It's got to stop, and, and finally, the media is paying attention to it. And you know, mm. it was like a prohibited type of thing. It was like it wasn't proper, as you would say, mm. to write about an officer committing suicide. Now, you know what? Uh, even you know, media is saying, you know, this is a problem. Yeah, this yeah. is a problem. 
That's good. You know, Hopefully that'll bring it the attention that it needs and deserves. It's then. not meant to embarrass anybody. It's not meant to uh, demean or, you know, make this into some kind of a public spectacle. What it's meant yeah. to do, I think, is to bring attention to a problem that keeps continuing to grow. Mm. And hopefully organizations like, uh, uh, you know, We Never Walk Alone are, are going to start becoming a norm as opposed to, yeah. you know, something that's an oddity. Um, so um, I'm very grateful that they asked us. Uh, we're going to mm. be sending one of our officers, I believe. There's so much popularity to this. We can't get an officer trained because the classes are filling up like crazy. So I think he's going in December. Um, and he'll be a peer. He'll be on that list. And yeah. you don't, you know, when I explain to him, because they're, right, hey, the first question, you mean I got to talk to so-and-so if I got to? No, no. The whole point is he's available to other agencies. You don't mm. have to say shit to him mm. or to me or anybody. You can go down this list, and if there's somebody there you might know or have heard of or just want to make a random call, and if it doesn't mm. work out, you go on to the next one. Yeah, whatever. yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, it's a fantastic initiative, I think, uh, just personally between you and I anyway. You know, it's something that we've spoken about regularly. I did want to say to our listeners, it's something you've written about extensively, which they can read at georgefalenko.com. Um, the chief has written some pieces on this kind of thing. They're a must read, in my opinion. He also writes on other um, uh, websites too, like Law Enforcement Today, um, which is also another great outlet for for writing but also for information they've got other initiatives going on that are good for cops and whatnot so there there are um resources available i think in the past it's there's probably been some machismo if you like for lack of a better word around policing and, and not voicing any uh mentally mental health issues or whatever you know if someone's struggling or whatever i think it's just been like tough it out get on with it you know you're a cop kind of thing but you're a cop, but you're also a human being, and so you're just as vulnerable as everybody else is uh, to, to certain things. So I'm joyous about the fact that you've um, brought some more attention to this and that you're getting more uh, police officers, police officers rather, involved in it. So great one to uh, end on for sure. Um, I'd also like to point people to murdermaps.com as well. Um, and there's links to the Chief's uh, website and whatnot on our website. Uh, but over the next week, we will have more information coming out about the Blue Matters. And like I said, that's going to be a, a much more positive spin on policing and, and the, the great work that police on, well, around the world, not just on both sides of the Atlantic, but around the world do. Um, and if you're interested in getting involved and, you know, posting any good news videos maybe you just want to do a little video rant yourself about some good police work or whatever it might be then you can send it in um, and send it to podcast at murdermaps.com chief and i will have a look over everything you send us and i'm sure most of it will meet the grade to get published and we look forward to doing that with you so chief once again thank you very much for sharing your time with us i'm sure um I know you're a busy guy, um, so every minute that you afford us is is certainly uh, it's precious to me, and I know that it's precious to anybody that listens to this show as well, because it's it's something that, as I've said, it's unique, it's very special in terms of the type of content that we deliver and how we deliver it. And so uh, I just want to say thank you once again for joining me this week, and I look forward to doing it again next week.
Always my pleasure. Have a great day. Thanks, Chief. Thank you.